Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I In brokenness and pain is all I know No, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be shaken. Oh, 
church. You good? Ready for a nap after that? Yeah. Hey, it's good to be with you guys for a number of reasons today. Can we just celebrate that when we woke up this morning, there was this um, strange orb in the sky? Yeah. Called a sun. That was awesome. Yeah. Man. Normally we're not like clapping when the sun's out, but we are clapping today. I sent a dove out this morning. It didn't come back. I was like, it's going to be a good day. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Read your Old Testaments. Noah, this guy thing called the flood. Anyway, um, yeah, that was a good morning. Um, a couple of things I'm excited about just to bring to your attention if you uh, haven't paid attention the past couple of weeks, or maybe this is your first time. Uh, we're in a series on worship, and we thought it would be a, uh, the best way possible for us to close out the series on worship by having a night of worship. And if you've never been to a night of worship, you should at least get one of those into your life experience before you die. And um, and if you come once, you'll come again. And the reason is because there's no sermon. Uh, no, I mean, but, but primarily because like singing on steroids. And so if you love our worship songs, um, we've got a lot of that. There's childcare for children under five. And so um, make sure you come. It's a great experience for the whole family. We'll worship for about an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, the band from Wesley Foundation will come and lead us. It's going to be awesome. There'll be a little bit of ministry time in between. Uh, we'll take a halftime break for that ministry time and, and uh, from singing so you can get a little breather and, uh, and relax and rest your, your legs. Um, and so I just want to invite you back for that. And then I'm really excited about a series that's coming up next Sunday. We're starting a brand new series called Running From God. And um, how many of you have ever felt like you've been running from God on some act of obedience or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a universal thing, although only about a third of y'all raise your hands, that's okay. Um, this is a universal theme that we run from God and various things that he wants us to do. Um, and what we're gonna discover in this series is what happens when we run from God. What does God do uh, for us or towards us? And so we're gonna be discovering that as we look through the lens of a book of the Bible called Jonah, which we've ever actually never preached before, preached on before at the Vine Church in 12 years of history. And so this is exciting to, to open up a new uh, book of the Bible for our church and to take a look at a story that maybe you're familiar with of a guy who was running from God and uh, how God ran to him. And so we're excited about that. But I'm also excited about today. Uh, we had a great morning at 9.15. I believe that God's gonna do that again at 11 o'clock. Um, in fact, I already believe that he has. Worship was incredible, wasn't it, this morning? So let's just uh, let's celebrate what uh, God's been doing. And we look forward to today as we've been... Um, talking about over the last two weeks what worship is, what worship is not, and how worship is not confined to like one place, like at church on Sunday mornings, 11 o'clock with singing, but it extends to every aspect of our life, that worship is really a lifestyle. Last week, we learned that our outer posture is a reflection of our inner perspective towards God. And so we talked about how uh, worship is posture, worship is action oriented in our life and what that reveals about our heart for God. And what we're gonna discover today is that worship um, and praise should take place in the midst of our pain and our problems. Um, how many of you are familiar with the term hypoalgesia? Anybody familiar with the term hypoalgesia? 
Yeah, only a couple of people that were here at our earlier service um, with their hands raised. Yeah. So hyperalgesia is actually a medical term that not many people are familiar with. But how many of you are familiar with this experience? You stub your toe, you hit your finger with a hammer, or parents in darkness, you step on your child's Lego toy, and, um, and immediately without control, something comes out of your mouth that you shouldn't say in church. How many of you are familiar with that, right? Okay, we got a few people, um, more honest people raise their hands on that one. Yeah, um, and, and one proof that God's at work in my life is that I say words I shouldn't say less frequently than I used to say them, right? And so um, what, what happens though, when you blurt out or shout out that word in the midst of your physical pain is that your body actually releases adrenaline. The amygdala in your brain, how many of you know where an amygdala is? Yeah, not many people, only psychology students, you know, know that. And so the amygdala releases chemical adrenaline primarily, and then that adrenaline actually provides pain relief for you. And so what's interesting is that our bodies made by God, created by God are actually hardwired that when we shout out certain things, then it actually relieves pain. Uh, I was talking with uh, a a PA that we have in our church after the 915 service, and he said that actually when you step on something, you stub your toe, you get that immediate moment of physical pain. That actually never reaches your brain before you actually blurt out that word. So what's really cool is that we're hardwired in a way to respond to the pain that we experience in life. And what I wanna suggest to us this morning is that if we understand appropriately the role of praise in our life, if we'll take it preventatively, that when we start to experience pain and problems in our life, if we praise preventatively, then before we're able to even react in any other way, our natural response in the spirit realm would be praise of God. So um, we're gonna talk about that today. So obviously when we talk about pain in the context of a sermon, we're not necessarily talking about the stubbing your toe or the hitting your finger with a hammer or stepping on Legos. I was informed by a previous generation that the GI Joe with the dagger, it was actually more painful than Legos. Not sure that's possible, but maybe it is. Whatever it is, we're not really talking about physical pain as much as we are talking about emotional um, or spiritual pain. And, and if you're not aware of where pain comes from, typically pain comes from a, a, a domino effect that begins with change. And, and a lot of times that we, the emotional pain that we experience is started first with some form of change that we don't want to experience. And so that change could be related to a number of things. It could be a change in relationship status. It could be a change in your family's situation. It could be a change in your um, financial situation. Uh, there could be a change in the workplace. There could be a change in the school. There could be a change in activities. All kinds of change that we experience, that we're going to experience, is going to lead to loss. Change always leads to loss. And loss always leads to pain. Think about the losses that you've had in life. And I bet on the other side of that, there was some pain. So change equals loss, loss equals pain. If we respond appropriately to that pain, we'll experience growth. And God's hardwired in us the spiritual reaction to pain. I don't know where you've experienced pain emotionally and spiritually. I don't know. I mean, we could sit here and I could go through students and I could go through examples that maybe you've experienced, break up with a boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, I mean, we could talk about that, students. Uh, We could talk about that for adults too, right? We we could talk about um, marital breakups. We could talk about 
job breakups, we could talk about parent-child issues, we could go through all the scenarios. What I do know is that at some point in your life, you're gonna experience pain. And at some point in your life, you're gonna experience problems. What I also know is that your response to the pain and the problems is gonna determine the outcome. And God has hardwired in us this response. And the response is to shout out in the midst of our pain, to shout out in the midst of our problem as a prescription for it so that we can experience the growth that God has for us. If you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I wanna invite you to go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 uh, of your Bibles, if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, um, that comes right after the four gospels. In fact, a lot of people consider the book of Acts to be a sequel to the gospel of Luke because it was written by this guy named Luke. Luke was a physician. Uh, Luke was a doctor. He wanted to write an orderly account of Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, and then what happened to the earliest church. And so he accounted in a very orderly way the, the details of the earliest church. And at some point in the, the earliest church days, there was this guy named Paul who began ministry. Now, before he began ministry, he was a persecutor of the church. In other words, he, um, he actually had people arrested, he had people beaten, and he actually was able to sentence people to be killed because they were followers of Jesus Christ. Well, then once upon a time, he has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and it completely transforms his life. So where he goes from being a church persecutor to a church planter, he starts churches directly and indirectly, and then he writes back to them, and we get the majority of the New Testament because of this guy named Paul. Well, Paul had ministry partners along the way, and one of those ministry partners was a guy named Silas. And Paul picked Silas to go with him to a city named Philippi. And Philippi was a very prominent, prosperous city. And so when they were going through the city of Philippi at the time of prayer, so they had regular times of prayer where people, whatever they were doing, they would leave what they're doing and they would go to typically the synagogue and they would pray together for a time. At the time of prayer, Paul and Silas are walking through the cities of this prosperous city, uh, walking through the streets of the prosperous city of Philippi uh, to the time of prayer. And they run across this woman who has this supernatural ability to tell people's fortune. She was a fortune teller. And it was a supernatural ability. It was not anything that like, you know, she, she was, it was no like magic that you might see on AGT or, you know, something like that that was fabricated and made up. It was the ability to, to predict people's future. And she was prostituting that supernatural ability. In other words, she was using that supernatural ability for profit. And then people actually pimping her for her supernatural ability to tell the future by profiting off of her. And so Paul and Silas, they're walking through the city. And I think this is the coolest thing ever. This woman, because of her supernatural ability, she points out Paul and Silas and she says, these are servants of the most high God and they're here to proclaim the way of salvation. Like, I think that's like super cool moment. Like, in fact, I would love to walk through a city and somebody to be like, here's a servant of the most high God proclaiming the way of salvation. That would be pretty awesome. Would that not be awesome? Yeah, but Paul and Silas, they encounter this woman daily and they get tired of it. In fact, the, the word says that they get annoyed. So they get annoyed by it. And so instead of thinking it's awesome, they're annoyed by it. And so what they actually do is they cast out that supernatural force that gives her the ability to predict the future. Well, naturally, if she's been prostituting that supernatural ability for her profit and other people have been pimping her, pimping her for that supernatural, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's what you get. Um, and uh, for that ability to tell the future, we could just call it a day, I don't know. After that, yeah, that was not rehearsed. Um, but an accurate slip of the tongue. All right, so 
So, so naturally, when you lose profit, then some people are going to be upset. You would be upset if you lost profit just as they were upset by losing profit. So what they do is they go to the source, Paul and Silas, and they have them arrested. They incite the town against Paul and Silas. And so what we're going to see is that here we have two people who are committed to the work of the Lord, and yet they struggle with pain in a very real way. And so if you've got Acts chapter 16 open, we'll begin with verse 22. They, uh, excuse me, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and he fastened their feet in stocks. I just wanna stop for a moment and point out that this sounds pretty painful, would you agree? And so they have been incited, uh, the people have been incited to violence against them. They have already been attacked. The whole city kind of joins in. That's the impression that we get. They're beating them. They're beating them not just with, with their hands and their fists. They're beating them with rods. And then the magistrates order that they would be imprisoned. Then they're put in prison and they're locked down. So they're in chains and they're in solitary confinement. They're in the inner cell of the jail cell. And, and so who knew that ministers could be that dangerous, Right. I mean, we are a pretty imposing breed of people, right? Um, and, and, and here's what I want to point out. Here's what I want to point out. They're full-time vocational ministers, and their life's not perfect. They're full-time ministers of the gospel, and they're experiencing physical pain. No doubt they're probably dealing with some internal stuff in this moment. And, and that is to say to all of us who call ourselves Christ followers if you're a Christ follower or you claim to be a follower of Christ and you think that life is gonna be perfect, whoever told you that life was gonna be perfect was preaching a false gospel to you. Like in life, Christ follower, you will experience pain and you will experience problems. Anything other than that is not the true gospel. So the question is not, will you experience? The question is, how will you respond? And this is how Paul and Silas respond. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Y'all know what hymns are? Like students, there's this thing, it's called a hymnal and it was a book and you open it up and there was like a number at the top and the, the choir director would say, turn to page 347, just as I, you know, and you turn there and there were usually four verses, but you'd only sing like the first, the second and the fourth. I don't know what's wrong with the third. But anyway, that's a hymn. But, but these are a little bit different. There were no books. They didn't open a book. They were just singing their praise of thanksgiving to God. So they were praying and they were singing their praise of thanksgiving to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Church, do you know that people are listening to your lives? If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, people are listening to your lives. They are looking at you and they're wondering how you will respond to the pain and problems that you're going to experience in life. So how will you? They pray and they're praising. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone bond, everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a, large, a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. What a powerful, powerful point to us that when we experience pain and we experience problems, that our first response is to shout out in prayer and to shout out in praise. It's to shout out in prayer and to shout out in praise. We don't have all the details of what happened between the time they were like put in the chains and the time that, that they were locked in here. What we do know and what we believe is that, that God inspired the writing of the Bible. And so if he inspired Luke, what we know is that they're put in this solitary confinement and then the very next verse is about midnight. So, so there might be other details of the story, but they're not relevant under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What is relevant is that about midnight, which for the Roman world that they were operating in was the beginning of the day, meaning that their first priority at the beginning of the day was what? Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Their first priority at the beginning of the day was prayer and praise. Maybe, maybe we should just take this as a preventative prescription for us that the very first thing that we would do at the beginning of our day is begin our day with prayer, com communicating with God. And how do we communicate with God first? Through praise, by thanking him, by giving thanks for who he is and what he has done. That's why my prayer is at night, God, would you wake me up with a song on my heart? Would you wake me up? Because I would rather hear that worship song from Sunday morning than that alarm clock going off. Can I get an amen? Like much better song. And then all I have to do is just spit out the words that are already going on in my head and in my heart and have begun the day with praise. And it's preventative. And if we will make praise the priority of our day, then when we stub our toe, when we smash our finger, when we experience life, pain, and problem that is going to come, then the immediate reaction is without it even getting to our brain. Our default is to praise God. They're responding prescriptively. Like this is their response. And I'm not sure why they respond this way, except for maybe they remembered something or maybe they were taught something from their spiritual ancestors. If you go back to the spiritual ancestors of the first church, it's, a, it's the, the Israelites or the Hebrew people from the Old Testament. And um, Old Testament God followers knew something about uh, facing problems and facing pain. And they knew that the prescription for facing problems and facing pain, when you're engaged in some form of warfare, it is to go first with worship on the front line of, of battle. The, the front line of warfare is engaged with worship. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open or you've got your Bible app, I wanna invite you to go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, I cheated, I've got the tabs here, so it might take you a little bit longer to get there. Uh, but while you're getting there, um, just to give you a little bit of uh, recap so that you understand the context of this, um, the king of Judah at this time is Jehoshaphat. And there were some people who were incited against um, the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of God's people. And, um, and so they came against um, they came against the kingdom of Judah and King Jehoshaphat. Uh, these people, typically they have the, the last name Ites. And so we've got the Ammonites, we've got the, um, the Moabites, and we've got the Meonites. And, and these enemies of God's people come and they go to attack them. But before there's this war, this battle, um, God, God shows up and speaks to them about the nature of this battle. And he says that this isn't a physical battle at all, it's a spiritual battle. 
This is, this is the account from verse 20 of chapter 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat, he's the king, stood and said, hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. Where did they go? Before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. The ancient Israelites, anytime they were facing a battle, the people on the front line were the worship leaders. Can I get an amen from all of the rest of us that aren't worship leaders? That sounds like a great plan to me. We'll just get Nate with his guitar. We'll get Katie with her microphone, John Black with his stomping in his microphone. We'll get, we'll get Sean Ray back there with his guitar. And, and we'll get um, Jared with his keyboard and and Stephen with his bass, because Stephen with a bass looks like he could do some damage, you know? And then we'll get Seth with his drumsticks, and we'll just let them go before us, right? That sounds like a great plan. And that was the prescription that God gave for warfare for his people. It was to put the worship leaders on the front line of warfare. Why? So that God could fight your battles for you, because this is what happens when we praise. It invokes the manifest presence of God which is why scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we want to experience the manifest presence of God that always brings with it the power of God, then we put worship on the front lines of our warfare. And every problem that you and I face, scripture tells us is not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. And so if we're fighting spiritual battles, then we fight in the spiritual realm. And the only way for us to fight in the spiritual realm is for us to have the presence of God doing the fighting for us. How do we do that? We make priority of worship. We make a priority of praise. And when we do so, we invoke the presence of God and God always brings his power. Amen? Amen. And so when we face problems and pain, this is gonna be inevitable in our life and we understand that lifestyle, uh, the worship, uh, that worship is a lifestyle and that worship is a surrendering of all that we have, all of our actions and all of our being. And when we make this a priority in our life, our default's gonna be, I don't, I don't care what happens. Like, I, I, I don't even care what, what you might think will happen because I know the outcome of this. And the outcome of this is that I am already more than a conqueror through Christ. That there is no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. And though I might lose this battle or perceive to lose this battle, the war has already been won because of the front line of worship. This is praise at its finest. When life's not going great, it's not even going good. It's not even like an average. It's poor because of pain and problems. We make a priority of worshiping God. And the world's paying attention to how we'll deal with that because there's a, there's a portion of our Christian faith that says, hey, like, look, if you've got pain and problems in your life, then you just don't have enough faith, and that's just not true. Faith, having enough faith is responding and saying, hey, God's got this. 
There's another portion of the world that says, hey, because of pain and problems, there's not even a God. And you go, no, 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 no. God's got this. God's got this. There's a couple of stories we'll close with this morning. I was trying to figure out a way to space them out in the message. But sometimes it just doesn't work as clean as like other messages where you can like do a point and then have like a mess, you know, story and it's cool. And that kind of like gives you an intention breaker. That's why we do it because otherwise we just plow through the scripture. We do it for you. Uh, but there was no way to do that. So, uh, so we just got like two back-to-back stories just to close with. The first one is a kid named Willie Myrick. I don't know if you know the name Willie Myrick. You probably don't. Um, but a couple of years ago, Willie Myrick was playing in his driveway in East Point, Atlanta. And a kidnapper came and somehow got him in his vehicle, put him in the back seat. Willie Myrick goes to church every Sunday. And in church, he was taught a song called Every Praise. And so from the back seat of that kidnapper's car, he starts singing a song, Every Praise. And he put it on repeat. And he just starts singing that song over and over. Well, it starts irritating the kidnapper to where the kidnapper's yelling at him to shut up. Well, look, man, if you're in the back seat of a kidnapper's car, don't do what he tells you to do. Like, just sing. So he, start, he just keeps singing. Well, the guy gets so irritated that he lets him out. He lets him out. Now, what's interesting is that that's not the only time that's happened to a kid who's been kidnapped who sang worship songs in the back seat of a kidnapper's car. So any children that are in the room, don't mean to scare you. Just sing worship songs, okay? That's why, I can't, that's why kids do is important. All right. But listen, this story was told nationally, and then it was reported that people were giving their faith to Jesus because of what happened when the kidnapper let him go. It sounds a lot like Paul and Silas, who were in jail, who their priority and their prescription for their pain and their problem was to praise God And when they did, it invoked the presence of God that always brings about the power of God to where there was this earthquake that broke the prison that loosened the chains on their life and that set them free. And in setting them free, the jailer and his whole household gives their faith to Jesus and gets baptized. Powerful. You see, your breakthrough that can come when you praise in the midst of pain and problems It's not just your breakthrough. It might just be the breakthrough for someone else. Just like the next story. Uh, When we were prepping for this message, it was the the week after Christmas, and I was was in Starbucks. I had my AirPods in, and and a a song um, started playing. But before the song started playing, there was a little bit of narrative about how the song began and how the song was written. And the, the narrative was, I thought that was my alarm. It's your alarm. I don't know what you got going on, but I'm almost done. Um, and uh, so I'm listening, and the song is played, and there's this narrative about how the song was written. And, um, and, and I had seen this video before. Like, I'd seen this video before because, again, it was, it was the week in between Christmas and New Year's. And somebody, like, right after Christmas had posted this. Somebody in my sphere on social media had posted this. And this video actually went viral. It went like insanely viral really quick. Because a story about how a song was written that was birthed out of a, uh, a worship leader being involved in a prayer that didn't seem like it was going in the direction that they wanted that prayer request to go. And instead of me telling you the story, I want him to tell you the story. So let's take a look.
This year, as a, a Bethel Music family, a few days before Christmas, most of you guys probably were a part of this miracle, but we watched um, Joel and Janie Taylor's little son, Jackson. And he was, a few days before Christmas, airlifted to intensive care, and we began to fight for Jackson's life. How many of you guys joined in that fight and that symphony of prayer that rose up for a little boy? And a couple, couple weeks into the fight, we got a text one night from Joel that they weren't sure if he was going to make it through the night. And as soon as I heard and read the message, it was like this giant of unbelief stood in front of me. And I just, I just thought, Jackson's going to die tonight. We're not going to see the miracle. And as this giant stood in front of me, all of a sudden, out of my gut, this song started coming out right in the face of the giant. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a As that giant was looking at us, I knew he was going to regret the day he ever pointed his sword at Jackson. Just as Goliath pointed his sword at David, the sword Goliath pointed at David became the sword the little boy picked up and took the giant's head off with. And as we watched this miracle happen in Jackson's body, it was like this giant of unbelief was falling. And our community just began to sing this song. It was just one note in the symphony of prayer rising for his life. Hallelujah. 
morning. We're going to get louder and louder. Let your praises roar. Let's sing. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I know that's not all you got. So sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Would you sing a little louder? Sing a little louder feels a little bit like we had church up in here um, today, and uh, I don't know about you, but that's it's pretty therapeutic. Uh, it's very therapeutic, because that's um, what it means to put the priority of praise um, ahead of our pain and ahead of our problems. I want to tell you all a cool story. Um, I wasn't planning on telling you all this cool story until this morning um, at our 915 service. So on Thursdays, we have a time that's set apart from 12 to 1. Um, where we meet right here in this room um, for anybody that wants to join us for staff. So if you're local and you got a lunch hour, 12 to one, you're welcome to come and pray with us. We just pray for revival in the church. We pray for all churches globally. Um, We pray for specific things over the weekend. And then we listen to God for certain things. And this doesn't happen every week. It just happened this week. Um, I was praying and what I saw 
um, kind of in the, the peripheral of my vision, um, I had a vision of a lioness and the lioness was roaring. But what I knew in that vision is that the roar was actually singing. And so, um, but I didn't have like any kind of clarity whatsoever um, as to what that meant. In fact, so we get done praying, we save about 10 minutes where we just process what the Lord has put on our hearts. And I just said, hey guys, I want y'all to pray into this. Um, I want you to pray into uh, this vision that I had of a lioness who was roaring, but the roaring was singing. And I don't know exactly what it means. Um, and this morning, I realized what it means is that we had a lioness who was up here on stage who I'd never met before. Her name's Katie. Can y'all say, hey, Katie? No, like I said, say, hey, Katie. Hey, 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 Katie. Yeah. And, and Katie was up here and she was singing that portion. Like, I'm going to sing in the middle of a storm. Louder and louder, I'm going to make my praises roar. And it hit me that she was the lioness, but that we we're, were like a, 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 I don't know what you call a group of them. Uh, but we're, we're, we're roaring, but our roar is praise. And when we, when we roar in praise, it's, it's predatorial. And, and what it says is that my problem and, and, and my pain, though I view them as a predator, they're actually a prey. And, and, and there's something that will be consumed by the glory of God. And, and I just wanna point out that that's what happens in the darkness of our lives. When does the lioness roar at night? And so we roar in praise and it is a call to put people on notice and put our pain and our problems in notice because we have the power of God who's gonna fight for us.